So I made a few notes because those of you who know me know that I can digress. So this is to keep just one small card to keep me in place. Um, <clears throat> so Simon said that uh, the main thrust of tonight is that God wants to use all of us and no one is discounted. So how is that working out in my life? And I hope that you will find it's working out in your lives as well. Um, well, first, the first move to be used by God is to become a Christian. So I was a grand old age of 30 before that happened to me. Um, and although in my teenage years, a, a friend of mine in school, we'd, on a Sunday night, we'd go out to the different local churches and we'd try to find God. And we'd go to one church and definitely wasn't there. Go to another church and, sorry, he's not at home here. You know, this is from uh, a lay person going into a church and finding it absolutely boring. I'm sorry. <laughs> However, I'm sure it suited a lot of people, but not us. So, um, you know, I, I grew up in Liverpool, as probably a lot of you know, 60s and 70s. It was the party capital of Britain. And uh, we had the Beatles and the Cavern and, and all the clubs. And I thought this is, could get really out of hand. So I'll move to South Africa, as you do. And um, I met Ken, and he's from Manchester. I'm from Liverpool, and we met in Johannesburg. Again, as you do. So, um, but we, neither of us were Christians. Um, and then one day in, 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 uh, in work, uh, a young Afrikaans lady, that's uh, someone who speaks with the Dutch accent, um, and she was part-time, and she was temporary, and she started talking to me. And uh, she's, she was telling me about Christianity. And I was, wow, this seems a bit radical. And she said, are you a Christian? I said, of course I am. I'm English. <laughs> so she said, no, it doesn't work like that. She said, come with me. And we'll, we went to the um, charismatic Catholic meeting in the Catholic cathedral in Johannesburg. And it was a bit crazy. There were nuns dancing around and with guitars and I'm saying is this church and and then this guy at the front was saying I can see flames on that head and I'm going where <laughs> and then people speaking these strange languages I thought this is not for real surely anyway I really enjoyed it so I went back quite a few times and then I said is there somewhere I can go on a Sunday morning where I live so she told me about an Assembly of God church, and that was Pentecostal. So by this point, I thought all Christians were rather a bit crazy. You know, they were lively, and I thought, this is, an, this is amazing. Anyway, I'd, I'd given my heart to the Lord, obviously, straight away, because it was just um, so infectious. And anyway, so one, I, I'd started going to the church on my own in the morning, and then one day the uh, minister said, that he was going to be preaching on the end times in the evening. And I thought, the end times? Jesus coming back again? What is going on? So I, I went home, and Ken had been working during the day, and I said, will you come with me? And he said, yes, okay, we'll give it a shot. So I went along, and then it turned out there was a lady I worked with and her husband sitting right in front of us. And uh, the pastor, he was, preached up a storm, fantastic minister. He was only good at preaching he was no good at pastoring but that didn't matter because he was a, an amazing preacher 
And uh, he, at the end, he said, while every eye is closed, every head bowed. And then he invited this altar call. So, of course, we all shot our hands up. We all knew at this. And I opened my eyes and I thought, hang on, this guy, he didn't have his eyes closed or his head bowed because he's saying, would you like to come upstairs? <laughs> He'd obviously seen, you know, where we were at. So we went up to this upper room and uh, we met a chap called Mike. And he and his wife, Barbara, became our very, very closest friends. Amazing Christians. They hadn't been Christians long themselves, but they, um, well, they, they just took us under their wing and... They, we, we started having a, a, like a house group, and we were all brand new Christians, so we, we were clean slates, we knew nothing, so we were open to whatever was going to happen. And he said, this is how you read the Bible. I said, oh, yes. So he said, we're going to read one chapter a week, try and read it three times a day, and pray over it, and see what God says. It was a revelation each week, We'd, ha we'd all have, because we were so desperate to share, we couldn't go along with nothing. We were just absolutely fixated on reading the Bible. And God spoke to us, so we were underlining things, asterisking, and, you know, then we got quite good. We got journals, and we started writing in them. And it was just an amazing uh, walk with God. We jumped in with both feet and uh, I suppose I was quite brash, really, when, as we got going. The, um, Mariana shared a scripture last week, which was uh, on, my, on my lips at the time as well, because whatever we read, we believed. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. So, you know, there was, there was no, no choice. And the verse that says, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we ask of him. Now, I wanted a baby. So, so I said, right, well, there you go. And I'd been having problems. I couldn't fall pregnant. And uh, in South Africa, if you wanted uh, anything female, you went to a gynecologist. Not going to tell you any details. Um, <laughs> Karen's face is frowning. No, no gory details. And uh, so I had various operations, tests, tablets, this, that, and the other. And one day he said to me, I'm sorry, Suzanne, you are not going to have a baby. I said, oh, oh is that what you say? <laughs> right, I'm going home and I'm going to take this up with God. So I went home turn to the next chapter in the Bible that I was reading. I didn't just flip through and do a lucky dip. I went to the next chapter and it said, for, it's Romans 11, for if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is by wild nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, who are natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree. I said, that's it, I've got it, I'm going to have a baby. I was so excited. Um, and then it was about the same time we um, went to church and the pastor was praying and he said, come down if you want prayer. And now bearing in mind there's 350 people. So Ken and I went down to the front and he started preaching long and loud and he was saying, Lord, Hannah had a baby when she was this age and Sarah was 100 and I said, Lord, don't listen to him. I can't wait till I'm 100. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> so, yeah, anyway, um, nine months later, Haley was born. Praise the Lord. Um, and then to go on to, to, you know, that's my story, but to now following on from how is this all working out in my life, you know, wh where am I about? Um, I still don't know, really. <laughs> I've been a Christian over 40 years, and I don't feel as if I've got a vision or a plan or a, a mission, you know, or a statement or anything like that. And I, I, used to, I got so frustrated with all these people. They could do it. There was Joyce Mayer, and there was Bill Johnson, and there was Darlene Check, and all these people. They all, know, they all knew where they were going. But I came to the conclusion, and this is fairly recent, that God only wants me to love him, to give my life to him and do the best I can with that. And he puts things in our hands to do. In Ecclesiastes, it says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. But time and chance happen to all. So there's a place for everyone. In Corinthians, it says we've got diversities of gifts, but the same spirit, differences of ministries, but the same Lord, uh, diversities of activities, but the same God. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. And it struck me that God gives us power to do what he wants. We have to be willing to listen, though, and it, otherwise, if we don't listen, we won't use the gifts he's given us, and the opportunities are just completely wasted. So the bottom line is that we are human beings, not human doings. I praise the Lord for that. Um, and I'm glad that we're all different. It's a relief, really, isn't it? <laughs> Thank you. I looked at the subject for tonight and I thought, oh yeah, that's easy, I, I can do that in 20 minutes. And then, over the last week, I've discovered you could do this over eight weeks as a series. I'm not going to, but you could. <laughs> and so I had to decide which way I was going to tackle this. And uh, I've tried to do it very practically, but it's not all-inclusive, okay? So you, you just need to be aware... Um, it, it, it's not the whole thing. I absolutely passionately believe in, in doctrine. I believe in truth. It sets us free. It's what we stand on, okay? And everything else works from that place. Um, and so that's where I've gone, really. And uh, let's, let's see what I do. So well, when we look at how we reach out with the good news of Jesus to our rather sad world, we can get a little swamped. Do you get a little swamped just by the enormity of the responsibility God gives us? Especially when we realize we, the church, are God's gift to the world. When Simon first asked me, he said, you know, the gifts we use. I said, straight away, I said, but we're the gift from God to the world. That's how it is. And everything fits in that. So that's kind of where we're at got a bit more to say though um, 
You see, the fact is that every member of the church, the body of Christ, are to be involved in reaching out, making Jesus known. We're all commissioned, every one of us, to go and make disciples of Jesus. Now, I'll read that to you, Matthew 28. We'll know the scripture really, really well. And Jesus says to the disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Now, that can sound daunting. Imagine if you could just look. You see, Jesus said it actually first to his is, well, 11 disciples, actually. Because Judas had gone and at that point. And he said that to them. Well, imagine if Jesus came and just says to this group and nobody else, go and make disciples of, of all nations. How do you feel? A little bit daunted, a little bit uncertain. Or maybe you're right. Yeah, I'm up for that. My feeling, personally, because I'm who I am, would be like, I can't do that, Lord, because really I'm an engineer who loves Jesus. I'm an electronics engineer who loves Jesus. You know, I mend things. I repair things. And somehow I seem to be able to open my mouth and good things come out. But really, that's who I am. So I'm not a, a hero. I'm not going to the ends of the earth. I, I, I have done a bit. But you know what I mean? That's, that's just not, I don't, I've never aspired to be hugely significant. Anybody want to be significant in the purposes of God? You know, a hero, somebody go, wow, look at them. Oh, I want to be like that. Actually, maybe I'd like to be like Billy Graham. Just a little bit. These 11 disciples probably went, no. No, I don't think I can do that. But shortly after, they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And from there, the gospel, gospel goes out to the ends of the earth. And these very ordinary people become extraordinary because they're filled with God. Amazing thing. I often used to think, Lord, it would be easier if you said that to specifically gifted people. You know, the Billy Grahams, the clever people, the apostles, the prophets. Could, could, could you call them to go and make disciples? And I'll applaud them from the side and say, well done. Don't you ever feel like that? Or, or, or are we, you know, we, we, we read this stuff and think, well, yeah, it applies to all of us. Really? Wow. I think it'd be easier if he called the courageous people. Because I'm not courageous. Ask Jean. I'm, I'm, I'm not. It's not my default position. I'm, I'm at my happiest sitting behind an electronic organ repairing things and soldering things. That's what I do for fun. That's what I've ever done, done ever since I was a kid. Playing with my Meccano set. Did anybody have Meccano? Your brothers. Do you see that 80s? Ah, oh, fantastic. It's all Lego now and plastic. And... It's not the same actor. It is rubbish, yeah. It's not the same. <laughs> but no, Jesus said and says to all of us, 
the whole church, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Get involved. It doesn't matter how inadequate you feel. I've called you to this. Now, you've got to let that settle, because immediately part of it is going to say, but that doesn't mean me. Anybody thinking that deep inside? Say, yeah? No, not criticizing. Somewhere inside you say, yeah, yeah, I know, but that's because that's what you're like. Anybody? The best thing I ever did growing up as, as in a Christian home was to actually read the stories of the missionaries who went all over the world. Because bit by bit, that encouraged my faith to dare to believe God could use me too. The exploits of William Booth and others. I mean, some of these people were tyrants, but mightily used of God. So I, I think we, we need to lift our eyes and say, it's not about you, it's about God. He's bigger than you. He's bigger than me. And when God calls you to something, he will equip you to do it. He, he doesn't tell lies. We are to be involved together in reaching out. We can call that church scattered, uh, church gathered. Reaching out together, making Jesus known. We can do things together. I grew up in the Salvation Army. We used to have open airs three times every Sunday, preaching in the open air, that sort of thing. Some of you still do that. I think I'm getting a bit old for it now, to be honest. But, but then there's this. If we're going to be involved together, we're going to have to be involved individually too. It's easy to hide in a crowd. Let's go into the open air, 10 of us, 20 of us, 30 of us. Yeah, we'll do that. How about going on your own? That's different. How about at work, telling people about Jesus on your own? That's different. That's a challenge. Now, some of you might love that. Scattered all over the place. We need to understand who we are if we're going to be any good at this. Everyone who's put their faith and trust in Jesus, they're born again of the Spirit of God. He comes and makes his home in our hearts and lives. So we, the church, are the dwelling place of God on the earth. That's why I said... We're the gift of God to the world. Yes, Paul. Yes. We're the gift of God to the world. So look at one another and just say, you're God's gift. Usually we say that in a derogatory way, don't we? Who do you think you are? God's gift? Well, you are. We are. We are the dwelling place of God on the earth. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, Jesus says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? A temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God with your body. We're a people who've been made new on the inside. We used to sing a chorus, Pentecostal, there's a river of life. Lord, yeah, me. Makes the land to walk and blind to see. It opens prison doors and sets the captive free. There's a river of life. 
Same spirit, same river for you and you and you. It's not just for the, the favoured few. So we have to embrace it and say, bring it on, Lord. I can't do this, but bring it on. As we, as we embrace it, Lord, fill me every day. He changes us. He makes us more and more like Jesus. We become witnesses. We become a gift wherever we are. Jesus said in Matthew 5, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its taste, how, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out. He says, You are the light of the world. It's talking to us again. I, I often think we should have a little beep. 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 Let your light shine. Beep. Used to be a song. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. See, we, we are all, if we're born again, children of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, His dwelling place, and therefore we will shine as we walk with Him. We will shine. We will be salt in society as we walk with him. We shine out with God's values in a godless world. You find the news a bit depressing. It's desperate. It's desperate. Whether it be global warming or the state or the values or whatever people are fighting over. The only answer is Jesus. Is the only answer. There isn't another one. And the only people who are going to make Jesus known are us, the church. Do you, do you ever sometimes say, oh, Lord, don't you think you should do something? Have you ever been there? Oh, Lord, will you do something? He says, go on then. I was preaching once and I, you know, I, was, I was talking like this and he said, but God should do something. I said, he did something. He hung on a cross 2,000 years ago and it's still alive and it's still active. He dealt with sin and death. There's good news to be given out so that people know there's a way through this mess and his name is Jesus. You picked up on something actually which is brilliant because I love The remarkable thing for me is that how God works in each of us using our unique gifts and temperaments. We're diverse. Transformed by God. But me being salt and light looks very different to you being salt and light. And we don't have to look the same. I don't know if you're playing, but it's We don't have to all look the same. We have to think who made us. Full of God. That's the mystery. That's the wonderful. You know, I, I, as I say, Billy Graham, huge respect, huge respect for the priesthood, and all the people running it say, "Yeah, bring it on." That, that's in my heart. But I'm not an evangelist. I'm probably a pastor, teacher. But labels are dangerous because as soon as you give somebody a label, you they expect them to be something. 
get another step. He's a pastor. And then he goes, what are you going to do, my <laughs> we, 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 we love labels. We do it with, oh, you know, worship leaders, that's the classic one. Used to say years ago, what do you want to? Oh, I'm, I'm a worship leader. Really? You can't sing a tune, you can't play a guitar, but I'm a worship leader. Or people would like to be something. <coughs> Just be you, fully Jesus. It's the only thing you can do. You're allowed to be you. Do you find that comforting? Yes. And then you might say, yeah, but you don't know what I'm like. <laughs> well, no, I don't. But I don't think it'd be any worse than me. Because we're all different. We're all sinners saved by grace. Jesus on the cross paid the price. We're all saved the same way. There isn't another route. And so with all our diversity of types and temperaments and education, I'm not that well educated. I'm really, not, I'm really not. Praise God I never went to university. I'm thrilled with that. Some people think I, I'm just not that person. But God did give me a gift. And it's not gift. It's a gift of communication. I didn't know. It just was there. And I would open my mouth and people would go, ooh, can, can I come and talk to you? Yeah, if you want. Why? Well, you've got something to say and I want to hear it. But it's not just a gift that gets used in preaching or in teaching. It's a, well, years ago when I was working for the Hammond Organ Company doing electronics and music, um, one of the other guys said, we, we should go around the country teaching the engineers how this, this product works. Putting edge technology. And yeah, okay. And so we went around and. <laughs> <laughs> we went round, and um, I'm going to finish it. 25 to? Right, yeah. Is that right? And um, he, he stood up and talked to them about how, what is it you have a And I got in a hand. I've been teaching all and they loved it. And he said to me, um, how did you how did you do that? Uh, I, I, it's just who I am. This is what God does in you, and what the gifts he gives you are not just limited to spiritual things, they're, they're gifts of blessing to a world, they're gifts of administration and education, all sorts of different things. It could be medicine, it could be exploring how things work. Understanding these are gifts that God gives that we can bring to the world. Does that, yes. does that make sense? Yes. Because we can't talk about our analyze and we make it. Oh, I should be talking to this because you're recording it. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sam. Start again. <laughs> Start again. Well, I, I could easily, but you might not want um, we, we kind of said, well, that's. That's spiritual. That's Christian. And this is the world. And this is my career. Is it? No. I'm a child of God. Full of the Holy Spirit. Gifted by God. In church. At school. At home. In the workplace. Wherever I am. I'm still me. With the same gifts that God gives me. And they're there to be shared. 
and to become a blessing and point people to Jesus. And so what do we bring? Better get back to me notes, really. We bring our biblical values. You see, what's the first gift God has given us? We've got the Bible. People have died for this over the centuries. We have the word of God. This is to shape our values, our worldview. We have that. And because of that, we then live a, a godly lifestyle. Because the Bible teaches us how to do that. Full of the Holy Spirit, he convicts us of sin. He shows us what to do and we begin to live right. And as we live right, people go, Whoa, what are you on? Well, why? Why won't you do that? Well, I'm a Christian. You're afraid to do that, but I live this way. That's called being salt and light, I think. We stand out as different from the world. Then, thirdly, we have our, our compassionate service. This flows, of course, from God's indwelling Holy Spirit. He moves us with compassion. You know, Jesus wept over Jerusalem. He, was, he wept over the lost, the people. He still weeps. We're his body. He said, will you let me touch your heart and melt your heart and let you feel what I feel? And as you feel what he feels, we start to act and react and behave and care and love we start to serve the world not to point the finger but to lead people to life in all its forms and the final fourth the, I just picked four but the fourth one the other thing we bring to the world our prayer our prayer the church it's the most effective thing we can do for this world is to pray the most effective and it's often the thing we ignore the most. It's a gift God's given us and we need to use it as we look outwards. So, if we ask what is God's gift to this sad world, the answer is, you are. I am. Isn't wherever we are, wherever we go, we take the presence of God with us because he lives in here. In our homes, our streets, our place of work, our school, our college. First and foremost, we're there for Jesus' sake. And he's always there with us. Growing up in the Salvation Army, as I often talk about, I was taught that by my parents as far back as I can remember. I gave my life to the Lord when I was six. I remember the day I did it. I won't go into that story now, but I knew from then on that God as a schoolboy, that God had put me there to shine for Jesus at school. And I'm seven and terrified. I hated school anyway. I was scared. Anybody else scared? I mean, kids didn't seem to be scared anymore. They say, oh, yeah, I love school. Well, I didn't. Okay. I, I, was, I was timid and shy. I didn't shine very well. But as I grew up, I... I always knew I was called of God to shine for Jesus, even though I knew I was very inadequate 
in living his way. And yet God is faithful over the years and I learned to trust him. And as I learned to trust him more and more, I found that at times he did use me for his glory and sometimes my friends got saved. And then people started calling me, you're a, a pastoral evangelist. Really? They love labels. No, I was just a friend of somebody who got saved. You see, we can go into the world and make friends. Anybody any good at making friends? No, obviously not. <laughs> you know, people are crying out for friends. I don't mean, I don't mean superficial stuff. I mean friends. Somebody you can trust, you shake your heart with. People are desperate for that. Sometimes my friends got saved. Nobody was more surprised than me. I was thinking, wow, Lord, that's amazing. And the thing I really learned was that if God could use me, he can use anybody. And I mean that. And so from the 1980s onwards, I became a local church leader. I must confess that over the years, I've often felt the odd man out. Anybody know what I mean? Do you, do you ever get in a situation you kind of feel the odd person you know, I, I did. You're in a crowd of people and they're all more spiritually gifted than you. You've been in a meeting and people go, oh, wow, do you see that? No. <laughs> but nobody says no because we're, oh, oh, oh. I really have no idea what they're talking about. But, but you're with a group of people. And it's easy just to say, I think I'm the odd one out here. Because I see nothing and feel nothing in there's other stories I could tell there, but I, I won't. I go to leaders' meetings and think, Lord, what am I doing here? You know, conferences. Oh, I'm not like any of them. Do you, do you ever? I, Lord, is this what it means to be a leader? Because I'm not one of them. Do, do you ever? See, we don't talk like that. We, what we talk about is, oh yeah, we all see it. No, we don't. We're all different. But we're still full of the Holy Spirit and we're still anointed of God and we're still called of God to be who he has made us. And that's the thing. I still often feel the odd person out in certain settings. I think I'd rather go home and play with my model railway sometimes. <laughs> But when I feel like that, the verse keeps coming and nagging. And it's this, 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. And that's for you and me. That's for all of us. He's in you. And he's greater. He's God. I often must confess that many times my prayer has been, Lord, I, I cannot live this Christian life effectively. I, I cannot do what people expect of me. This is as a leader, by the way. I struggle to stand out as a Christian in an unchristian world, and this leadership thing you've called me to, well, Lord, it has to be your problem because I can't do it. Anybody... Because it sits on you like a weight. Oh, as a leader. Whew. You know, I've got a clue. Most leaders haven't. But they do trust God. 
you know the, the thing I hate to hear the most? We have a strategy and a plan. And I go, oh. Now it might be given by God, but often it's we come up with a strategy and plan. Can we pray God to bless it, please? And God says, nah, don't think so. I've got a better one. Yes. If you listen. I can say these things now because I've retired. It's great. <laughs> God is faithful. And he will use even you and me. Anybody identifying with what I'm saying? You're unique. You're different. You don't have to look like Raj or anybody else. Or me. Or You don't have to be like them. You have to be like you. Full of God. And I'm comfort, always comforted by the scripture that says he chooses the foolish things to confound the wise. Guilty. I can be a fool for Christ. Whose fool are you? And so we bring who we are to Jesus and he'll use us if we ask him to. One of the little choruses we used to sing, I'm just about done, as I grew up in a strong Christian home just where he needs me, my Lord has placed me. Just where he needs me, there would I be. And since he found me by love, he's bound me to serve him faithfully. God's in charge. I'm his child. I don't have to fret. I don't have to worry. I just have to be. He'll look after the rest. He'll look after the rest. And was one other little chorus I used to sing, and I, I sing it still. I won't do it now, but I use it as a prayer. Make me a blessing. Make me a blessing. Out of my life, may Jesus shine. Make me a blessing, O oh Savior, I pray. Make me a blessing to someone today. We can all do that, can't we? Wherever we are, whatever we're doing, and next door, and I'd want to pick it out for you. God will show you. He'll answer that prayer. So the gifts that we need to use as we serve this world, our biblical values, our godly lifestyle, our compassionate service, and our prayer. And if you're not sure about prayer, Especially on your own, because it's the thing that gets neglected. We go to the prayer meeting, but I always want to say, and how's your personal prayer life on your own? People say, well, I don't like praying on my own. Have a look at Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says, go into your room and shut the door, and what do you do in secret? God will reward you for that. That's where prayer starts. And actually, where transformation begins. So you're going to go and sit, I think, in a minute now, around your tables. You've got, you're already there. Uh, so I just put a few questions down for you on that piece of paper. It's all going up there now, isn't it? Do we regularly read the Bible? I mean regularly. You know, not looking, oh, I've got a script. I need to find a scripture to help me with that. No, no, I mean read it. Do we seek to obey what we read? and allow it to shape our lifestyle? Do we seek to serve the people around us? Do we tell Jesus about the good news, tell people about the good news of Jesus? And how is our personal, 
prayer life? Do we pray regularly? Just a few questions to get the conversation started, as it were. I'll shut up now. Bless you. Thank you.